Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. We've got an interview for you in a couple parts here. Um, Aaron was unable to join us, but of course, Derek is with us. Hey, hey. There's your hey, hey's. And very special guest, Gabe Edgar. Hello, hello. Uh, Gabe is an instructor at the University of North Texas in the English Speakers of Other Languages program, as well as the Linguistics program, and a longtime uh, enthusiast of cooperative learning, who Derek and I had the pleasure of meeting back in uh, Minneapolis, the Cooperative Learning Institute, many, many summers ago, probably five, ten, somewhere in that range. Uh, Call it seven and a half. And Gabe was part of the Cool Guys Club that we went to go see a Minnesota Twins game with Roger Johnson. That's correct. So, Gabe, if you could start by just telling us a little bit about your background in education uh, and how you got involved with cooperative learning. Uh, sure. Well, I uh, decided at, for some strange reason that I, I still can't explain. I think I was probably 16 or 17. I decided I wanted to, to I wanted to be an English teacher. Um so I went to undergrad and got a bachelor's in uh, English and uh, did one year of high school uh, and one year of elementary and did not care for either one. But I, I, and I loved teaching. I just didn't quite feel like I uh, was being successful. I didn't feel like I was doing much for the students. I didn't really feel like I had a place. Um, and then sort of I, I backed my way into a position at uh, what was then called Richland College is now Dallas College, uh, teaching uh, uh, ESOL, which is English for Speakers of Other Languages. Some people know it as ESL, which is, you know, uh, English for Speakers of, or English as a Second Language. There's a slight difference between those two uh, approaches. Um, ESOL, at least at the uh, university or collegiate level, is is probably the more popular one now. Um but, uh, you know, I did that for uh, one semester and just absolutely fell in love with it. I was working with international students. Um, it, it, it fulfilled my soul in a way that uh, K through 12 didn't, um, even though in, in some ways it was sort of remarkably similar. So it may have just been me growing up a little bit. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I immediately went and signed up at the University of North Texas uh, to get a master's in linguistics. I did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then I was at Dallas College uh, until 2021. And then I switched to uh, the University of North Texas, uh, which, as Adam said, gave me a chance to also go back to teaching linguistics as well. You know, the, the, the sort of theoretical side. Um, so right now I'm, uh, I'm on spring break. Uh, I don't know when this is going out, but uh, very happy to uh, get to spend the evening with you guys. Um, and I'm teaching a history of English class, which is a junior level linguistics class. And it's, uh, it's been really, really fun. That's, uh, it's interesting. And, um, you know, coming at, you know, education from this, from this aspect of linguistics and, um, you know, English is, English is second language. How, how did cooperative learning fit into this whole piece? You know, it's sort of uh, so easy to see, I think, in um, something like language learning because, 
what you really want is a lot of input output. So the interpersonal part is sort of almost necessary um, uh, at the beginning. But um, one thing that cooperative learning gave me that maybe not all language instructors have, uh, although they certainly have, but it certainly gave me the language to talk about uh, how do you teach interpersonal connections. Uh, so, you know, if you're learning a language, you want to be able to connect with other people and you need the language to do that. But the actual skills of what does it look like and sound like to um, encourage other people or to, uh, you know, to put someone else's benefit uh, on the same level as yours or to uh, to reserve judgment. What is it? And so so it's really easy uh, on my part, on the ESL part, um, to sort of build up those interpersonal social skills uh as part of the lesson so i don't i don't have to say with that i don't necessarily have that tension i think some instructors feel at least early on where they feel like they're taking away from content to spend time on explicitly teaching interpersonal uh uh communication um or interpersonal skills uh for me it's all you know it's just one big soup that it, it all counts it all counts as content um, which I think it does, it should for everyone, but it's, it's uh, maybe harder for other, you know, for a chemistry instructor or, or a math instructor to see that. Um, they, they may feel that tension that they're losing something by spending time on that. Um, yeah, so, so for, uh, I, I run all my classes extraordinarily cooperatively. Um, I try not to, I've, you know, I've, I've got a sort of mental uh, clock in my head that if I'm talking for more than about six minutes, I need to shut up and give them something to do. Um, whether that's highly formal or highly informal, it doesn't really matter. But uh, uh, they they spend the majority of the class time uh, interacting with each other as much as they do me. So, you know, Derek and I both come from the high school background, and um, that's where almost all of our training has been. Mm -hmm. How do college students uh, ad adapt to this, especially your linguistic students. How do they feel about um, learning cooperatively? So the linguistic students are sort of the more traditional students. Um, you know, they almost all of them did high school in the U.S. Uh, they're pursuing a, an undergraduate degree. Um, some of them are interested in, but you know, this is a junior level class I'm teaching now. Some of them are linguistics majors, uh, and so they're sort of already interested in the content. Some of them are, they just saw history of English and uh, decided to sign up for it because they thought it would be a pretty easy class, which I guess in some ways, maybe it does feel easy. Um, I want it to feel easy, even though I'm, I'm actually, the things I'm asking them to do are quite rigorous. Uh, they, uh, I have had almost no pushback on any kind of group work. Um, and I don't know if that is a function of they have sort of seen this before uh, in high school. Um, I have gotten some feedback that uh, at least two people um, from the fall have said uh, this, that that approach was, um, how do I say this without necessarily uh, demeaning my colleagues, uh, a breath of fresh air, something to that extent, that coming off of a lot of lecture heavy courses, 
you know, getting to do something that is fun and engaging and, and active on their part, that they're not sort of taking notes and passively receiving information for 50 minutes or 80 minutes um, in, our, in, in the case of my courses uh, is, is um, they appreciate it. Um, so far at, for the linguistics courses, haven't had any uh, conflict. Um, I, I, I'm a little bit uh, anticipatory in terms of uh, teaching people to, uh, you know, explicit ways that, um, you know, some of the things we talk about may lead to conflict. Um, but, you know, it's fairly theoretical stuff. So it's, it's a little bit easier for them, I think, to not necessarily engage. In fact, sometimes I've had to encourage them to engage with the controversy part of it. Uh, and they're actually more hesitant to, to disagree with each other. Um, but yeah, no, no real conflict. It's, it's, it's really been great. Um, the ESL students, you get a wide range of people that have never done stuff like this. Um, a lot of my East Asian students, Vietnamese, uh, Chinese, Thai, uh, Cambodian students, um, their English classes up to this point when they came to the U.S. Uh, were almost entirely grammar focused lecture worksheet practice um so for them it's a big change uh and and i have to introduce it to them um sometimes slowly but um, i mean most of the time it's just being more explicit about the ways that we talk to each other so the social skill piece kind of come rings naturally how easy is it to bring in like the positive interdependence piece is it like something that you set up like very you know thoughtfully is it you know something that like I've always wondered as, as people get older, whether that plays false. For some classes, if I haven't structured it highly into the lesson itself, they have a tendency, some, some classes will have, and and it just depends on the individuals, but some will have a tendency to sort of, uh, you know, to use a chemistry thing, go gaseous and uh, disperse the molecules to want to disperse into their own little spaces um, and in other classes, it seems like they actually, they prefer working with each other. And so that's, of course, um, uh, you know, just ind- individual, uh, personalities. Um, but I do, I mean, for both classes, I try to have something there that structures in the positive interdependence, um, whether that's, you know, a, a, a group, um, product that they're working on or, uh, some kind of limited resource. Um, I mean, the, the, the main thing is, uh, the, the easiest thing is, is just, especially for ESOL, there's so many worksheets and, and there's stuff in textbooks. There's so much good material. So if you just limit the resource on that and give one worksheet per pair or one set of questions or one set of sentences per pair, rather than giving them the option of doing it separately, uh, it, you know, it's very easy to sort of create that, that PI, that positive interdependence. And that seems like a great place to put a pin in our discussion with Gabe Edgar. But have no fear, we'll be back with Gabe next week. Until then, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account, and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2022. Theme music courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.